What up, everybody? We are back. We got the Oasis podcast. I think it's episode 60-something. Uh, that's about <laughs> all I know. And we have, we have an interesting topic for you. It has been one on my list of podcasts for almost the whole year we've been doing this. Uh, I've been intrigued to talk about this. I'm intrigued to hear you guys' opinions and a little bit of the outline that we've got put together. And I hope that through this, you at least wrestle with the idea of cold evangelism. And maybe you clicked on this podcast and you're like, what are they doing evangelism in the freezer or the Arctic? Ha <laughs> 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 ha Oh, man. Not jokes. This guy. <laughs> wow. No. We'll get to it. We'll get you a good definition, but I wanted to at least introduce myself. I'm Brennan, uh, college young adult pastor here at Oasis in Grace Point. Otherwise, to my right, I got... Jaina. And she's back, like always, with wisdom and truth and giggles, <laughs> we'll and we got... Oh, giggles. I got those. Yeah, sure. those. The people love the giggle. It, it <laughs> my adds mom a nice... always says, I love listening to podcasts because I get to hear you laugh. <laughs> mom, that's cute, but also breaks my heart at the same time. <laughs> So shout out to my mom. There you go. And then to my left, I got a special guest back by popular opinion. Um, ben is out with a kid who we believe has strep throat. So that is so unfortunate. Pray for that guy. If you've ever... That guy has a kid sick. Yeah. Every, every, every day. Every day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of sick kids. <laughs> but yeah, he's out again. So we brought back Nathan. Yeah, I'm back. I'm the fill-in. The, the children's pastor, and we're excited to have him on and just chat a little bit about others. It's called evangelism. Really, you guys don't know it, but Nathan is the evangelism expert of the church. And so we called... I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. <laughs> he was the guy in the loft when <laughs> I said... He didn't even seem panicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was ready to take it. He was the guy in the loft when I came up and I said, hey, we need a fill-in, and he jumped on it. So, uh, But he did crush the first time, and we're excited to have him back, yeah. so... You want to start us? Just talk. What What is evangelism just plainly without this whole first prefix? Yeah, so kind of a definition, standard definition we pulled from like Oxford was evangelism is, is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. And so really just going around and helping other people know about Jesus. That's pretty straightforward. straightforward. Yeah, but we kind, of, we kind of fluctuate our definition here at Oasis a little bit when it comes to evangelism. So, Jana, you want to fill in just some of those gaps? Yeah. So, Ben has kind of, um, I don't know if created his own definition. I feel like is he the stole right way it to, from somewhere. He probably stole it from somewhere, but also he's kind of um, adopted it and kind of made it his own. And I think both Brennan and I would agree that it's probably a really good one. And you guys have probably heard this before if you've been anywhere near Ben. Um, he said this for sure. But so Ben's kind of definition of evangelism is simply entering into a conversation that God is already having with someone. Um, and so spreading the gospel, preaching, teaching, personal witness, whatever comes into that, whatever you need to do to continue that conversation that God has already started with someone. And so this really takes a great amount of discernment of, of spending time in the presence of God, um, allowing God to speak and lead um, you to who you need to approach or even to specifically what God is speaking in that moment to continue that conversation. Yeah, that's good. And evangelism has this lean when anytime you were, you like use an ism, like mm -hmm. it has this lean, lean towards like a tactic or an action yeah. that we do. It's a verb or a, a thing we participate in. And so we become the hero bearers. We become the Messiah complex that we're taking the gospel to people. And the reason I think Ben's definition is so key and so so spot on is because we recognize that God is already moving regardless of if we can recognize it or not yeah. in every single human life. Like the person who is farthest away from God, God is still working in their lives even if they don't see it or don't want to step into it. Mm -hmm. So that definition of evangelism gives us a greater responsibility to find where he's at in that and therefore step into and, and help further that gospel conversation. 
Yeah, and I think even it puts God in like the main role for yeah. sure. Of it. Mm-hmm. Rather than sometimes we try to hold on evangelism is something we're doing, but mm-hmm. it puts reminds us that you know God is doing this already. We're just being pulled into that because of God's grace. So good. Yeah. So then, so what's good. what's this whole idea of cold? Like, okay, if it's not temperature, if it's not like. <laughs> Not hot. Like, is it like unsexy? Like, why is it cold? (laughs) (laughs) Unsexy evangelism. That's great. Word of the day. (laughs) Wow. Um, Cold just simply refers to uh, where a relationship is not present. So cold evangelism is when you're evangelizing to someone that you don't have a relationship with. Um, Whereas relational evangelism would be coming along someone in your life that you already know Mm -hmm. um, and stepping into them. And we'll give some more examples of what cold evangelism looks like here in a second. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great point that like sometimes people don't even, sometimes people don't even put the terms to it. But like when you're talking to your friend or your family member about Jesus, essentially you're participating in relational evangelism. But we're going to tell just maybe a couple stories around the table of when have you seen this cold relationship or cold uh, evangelism happen where there's no relationship? Or have you participated? Like, what what does this look like in your walk with Jesus? Yeah, so I got a a fairly funny story, but I was on um, the plane. I was actually coming out um, to Sioux Falls, um, flying in to come here to Brookings. And there was this one lady um, that ended up on the plane next to me. And I was, I was, I'd been in this conversation with somebody who was talking about relational evangelism and spreading the gospel. And so I was like, I was going to strike up a conversation with her. So I started talking to her. And within like two minutes of the conversation, I found out she actually goes to the church I was a part of in Indianapolis. Oh, crazy. And it was, so it was, this, it was this one thing where I was like, I was so pumped. I was like, you know, I was in, in a row with one other person. I was like, God, what are you going to do? And it turned out we just started talking and... We go to the same church already, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, and you went to a really big church, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a. I mean, it was a mega church in Indianapolis, so it's not surprising, but it was just kind of funny. Yeah, you were flying out of Indy, flying to Indy from Chicago. Yep. Oh, so where were on you on the at? way back from when I visited? Oh, out here. so where oh. were you at when you were? Where were you like getting on together? Chicago. Chicago. Okay, yeah. I was thinking you were in Sioux Falls and you met somebody from your church in Indianapolis, and I was like, how oh, weird. that would be crazy. How crazy is that? But that Chicago makes wild. a little more sense. Yeah. Um. Man, my story, or you want to go, Brennan? Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Go, I'll go. for it. So I was a part of a mission trip slash kind of mission trip slash vacation down to uh, Florida one spring break. And at one of the days, one of their activities was to go to a local college campus. Mm-hmm. And we were on spring break, but the college people there were not. And so our activity that day was to just walk around this campus. It was the University of Northern Florida. It was like UNF. Like I'd never heard of it before. It was really <laughs> random. Gorgeous campus. Um, we went there and our, our we had like three hours to just walk around and just find people to share the gospel with. And I remember we had probably, I got partnered up because I think that is a, a smart strategy, but you got partnered up and we walked around this campus and I think we talked to five or six people and four of those conversations went pretty good. Um, <laughs> there was a couple that were not great Um but we maybe will touch on that a little bit later. So, yeah, I, I did it in Florida for a, a couple of hours, and it was something. <laughs> yep. There you go. I don't think that I've ever personally set out to do cold evangelism. I know there's been circumstances where, like, oh, I've had a random conversation here and there. Um, and Brennan even kind of already alluded to that sometimes this goes really bad. Yeah. So I won't jump too far ahead, but 
uh, just like a really recent case of cold evangelism that I've experienced is I got this super random letter in the mail, you know, one of those super generic that says to the resident of blank. And it was from some guy in like Atlanta or something like that. So it was just like he mass emailed these things yeah. out. And it was like this whole letter about how the Bible is true and we need to like come against these different cultural things that are happening. And like, it was very strongly worded Hmm. and like I set it down and I was mad. (laughs) I was so mad. I was like, I know you're trying to like spread truth and whatnot, but like I'm a Christian and I like would say, I probably agree with you. I don't really know because I didn't know him personally, but like, yeah, Somebody totally random could have gotten this and like been completely hurt. So that's an example of how you can do it very poorly. I'm shocked you read the whole thing. (laughs) Well, I read like the first paragraph and I was like, oh, this is bad. I got to keep reading it. it. (laughs) I even contemplated like, okay, how do I write a response to this and email it or send it back? Because I was like, this is so bad. Wow. (laughs) But I didn't do it. Well, people from Atlanta <laughs> reaching to people of Brookings, South Dakota. Wow. I don't know how to reach. that happens. but Okay, so there's a couple different examples. Are there yeah. other ones where it's like, okay, if people still don't understand exactly what cold evangelism is, where might they see it? Or maybe they've heard of it in their life. I think a common one is waiter at the restaurant. If you're at a table talking with them, I've heard a lot of people like try to spark up a conversation with them because it is someone that you're interacting at least for a little bit. You can have short conversations like, hey, how can I pray for you? And that gets into other things and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But there isn't that relational basis. Yeah. Yeah. Another example um, that I don't know if maybe you would have seen in Brookings, but somewhere around is those people that stand on corners and just kind of speak out loud and just declare truth. Um, We call that street preaching. Yeah, so there used to be a guy at SDSU who would do oh, it yeah? consistently. I don't. I, I mean, I don't walk to campus that often anymore. But yeah, he would stand either. right outside the union, and he actually would bring a wood crate. So he would stand on his wood crate. I don't know why <laughs> that eight inches of higher up made him feel. I don't. I don't get it. But uh, maybe it was like a soapbox, like his opinion box. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Well, know. wasn't that like a thing that like street preachers used to do? Like they always used to stand on a crate. So maybe it's just like a tradition that he's been taught. Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. So, yeah, there used to be a guy at SCSU who did it. I don't oh, know if he does it anymore. But otherwise, um, some of you, if you're college students, you could see like in the union, um, sometimes there's cold evangelism or different ministries that practice that or like in Walmart or general places that people are at, like grocery mm-hmm. stores or shopping malls or different things like that where people will come and share the gospel and strike up conversation and try to sometimes healthily and sometimes unhealthily further the kingdom of God. So if we're going to focus on, okay, the positive side first, we'll go positive first, we'll, we'll lift it up. <laughs> Perfect. What's the purpose of this? Like, why is cold evangelism even a thing when we could just say a relational evangelism is the way to go? Like, is there still a benefit in this no relationship sharing of the gospel? Yeah, so for sure. I mean, one of the biggest reasons is that you get to preach the gospel. I mean, that comes back to the very definition. Um, And a lot of that comes from um, this passage in Romans 10, verse 14, that says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And so just kind of speaking to there's probably a lot of people in this world that have never heard the name of Jesus or never heard the truth of the gospel. And so as Christians... um, Part of what we're called to do is to spread that gospel, is to preach that truth. Um, And so one of the purposes, one of the benefits of evangelism, of cold evangelism, is that people get to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you said that by definition. What did you mean by that? 
Yeah, so like going back to that original definition that Nathan gave, the kind of generic oh, one about oh, oh. preaching the gospel. I thought you were going definition of the gospel. Oh, I mean, yeah, that too, but that was not someone where I was going. Someone want to fill sense. it in? Just like the definition two word. I'm not sure where Good you're going. news? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good oh, news. I gospel. was like, wait, wait. I was stunned yeah. for a second. I was like. <laughs> they both looked at me deer in the headlights, <laughs> but now they understand. Yes. Yeah, gospel meaning good news, and good yeah. news is news is stuff you share. Like, you don't yeah. just hold news to yourself, so it fits right in with that definition, too. Exactly. Otherwise, what else, Nathan? What else is the purpose of this? Yeah, we got, with preaching the gospel comes the call to repentance, and just, again, that whole idea around good news, repent and believe mm-hmm. um, the good news. So when we share it, it give someone an opportunity to do that. Um, and so we're giving them that space. Yeah. Giving them the opportunity to come back to Christ and to, mm-hmm. to yeah. be saved. Otherwise, oftentimes we don't recognize it, but there's this truth in scripture that says and shows that non-believers are often blind to their their sinfulness mm-hmm. or they're blind to the working of God in their life. They're blind to their desperate need of a savior and 2 Corinthians 3 will talk about this just a little bit when it talks about the veil that's over their eyes and the people could not see, they literally couldn't see, well, figuratively couldn't see <laughs> the idea of the gospel and Jesus Christ and his fulfillment because he hadn't opened their eyes and the spirit hadn't softened their heart. And so when we step into moments trying to walk alongside the Spirit and what He's doing in people's life, when we step into evangelism trying to discern what God is already doing in someone's life, we can be a part of opening the eyes of the blind and helping them to see, hey, you're broken, you're struggling with sin. I know most people don't want to hear that and they don't Mm -hmm. like that idea, but when their eyes are open, they can feel that reality and they can look at their experience and hopefully then they get to step into that call of repentance. Otherwise... Does either of you want to hit Mark 4, or can I do it? You got, you got it. it. All right, Go yeah, good, it. good. I love Mark 4. <laughs> was eager. I was really hoping face. you guys said no. <laughs> but uh, Mark 4 is one of probably my favorite passages of Scripture when it comes to any sort of evangelism or preaching of the gospel. And I have the quote on my desk, and I have I don't even remember who it's by. And I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I don't have it memorized <laughs> and I didn't write it down. But essentially, it's this idea that as preachers or as pastors, our job is to get the word of God before people's ears, and then God's job is to bring it into their heart. And so Mm -hmm. the same idea is true in Mark 4. When Jesus is telling the parable of the soil, we read that and we see like, oh, there's good soil and there's rocky soil and there's soil that falls on, on hard ground and that's eaten by the birds. And there's all this description of what happens to the seed. However, when it, and it continues to speak through this chapter of Mark, you start to, I hope, or maybe this will open your eyes to it, you start to see that the emphasis as, as us as Christians is not on the soil, it's on the seed. And so as the people who are a part of that story, like if you've already accepted the good news and you're the Christian, Jesus isn't really talking to you about being good soil. Like he assumes you are good soil because you've already accepted the seed that is the good news. He assumes you're the, the farmer spreading the seed. Mm-hmm. And so he tells this parable to give a description of what it looks like for God to continue to move in his kingdom. But the emphasis on, is on you spreading the seed, not worrying about the soil. So then when it comes to cold evangelism or this idea of just preaching the good news, telling people truth and love, like, are we just being faithful to spread seed everywhere we go? And God will take care of the soil because, yes, yeah, some of those seeds are going to land on rocky ground and they're going to get eaten up or some are going to be grown over by weeds and they're going to fizzle out. But some are going to land on good soil and that's God's job to take care of. And we yeah. just faithfully every day, whenever we can, spread seed. And so yeah. Mark 4, you are a beast. That is a great chapter. <laughs> 
If I could write a chapter, I think I would want to write Mark IV. <laughs> I can't, but I would want to. So if we do all the positive, and if we were to flip the script, cold evangelism gets a pretty bad rap. Mm-hmm. Mm. And like some of you, when you maybe clicked on this, you were hoping we'd bash it or really come down against it or tell people they shouldn't do it. Or like you're one person who's been hurt by it or seen others hurt by it. And so you're hoping we get to this point. What are some of the harms and why does it get such a bad rap? I think one of the first ones is a lack of discernment. Like kind of just going about it just with this end goal in mind, but not really thinking through the process of what it's like um, to walk alongside someone from point Mm -hmm. A to point B. Um, And so we, we get in this spot where, oh, if I just say words, then stuff will happen rather Mm -hmm. than approaching it with really that attitude of spreading seeds where we're actually intentional about that process. And it's not just specific words, but it's how we're delivering it in the way that we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that leads right into the second thing we would say is that there's a lack of love, um, that there's a lack of care for the people that we're sharing the gospel to. So the letter that I got was very strongly worded and Mm -hmm. like put off and there was a lack of love in that wording. But it's even the, you know, I think of the the people who go and stand outside abortion clinics and scream, mm. you're going to hell and God hates you. And, you know, these things, like there's a yeah, lack of love the in that. Signs the picket and... signs, like, they want to share the gospel. They want to share the truth. But the way in which they go about it often lacks love mm-hmm. instead of coming alongside and caring and, yeah, and, then and then even I think trying it, to understand. Yeah, sometimes it steals, like, the truth and the love yeah. that is in mm-hmm. the gospel when you approach it and trying to share this gospel that is all encompassed by love and the love yeah. of who God is, and we take away that love and the way we're delivering it, it steals it from the gospel. And then, you know, people see it, and it's like, well, what, what kind of gospel yeah. are you sharing if you're not approaching the conversation with that same yeah, love screaming that god hates you and you're a sinner and you're going to hell yeah. So. right yeah i'm in a preaching class and there was just a quote i read this morning and it was by this guy named lenny lenny Nuchetti, who right. you guys both know but he says good content with bad delivery is no longer good content mm. so good and so it doesn't matter how well you say something or how how what you're saying how good it is if you can't articulate it clearly mm-hmm. and concisely and, and effectively to your people it doesn't matter yeah and so that's the same true with the uh with evangelism if you so can't good. say it to the people and i think w- those two go hand in hand mm-hmm. because what it looks like to love someone takes a process of discernment yep. mm-hmm. because Cold evangelism has this push oftentimes, I think, especially the bad side of it, towards really high challenge. Yeah. And like, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, like you need to repent. And those are truths, mm-hmm. but they're harsh truths, they're very aggressive truths. And if we don't go about in a loving way discerning where that person's at, they might actually need encouragement. Yeah. And they might need to see, actually, like you might recognize you're a sinner and that you're not on the right path, but God still loves you. Mm-hmm. And he still cares for you, and you still have yeah. a place at the table, and we still value you, and you're still worth it, and like we hear you, and we see you, and like all of those things, mm-hmm. like that—that's the discernment process of finding yeah. that that line. And that reminds me of the um, oh, I can't think of what type of example it is—the invitation challenge. Yeah, the matrix. Uh, thing. Matrix is that what the word is? The invitation of, challenge. Yeah, yeah, when you have no invitation and all challenge, usually that leads to burnout or mm-hmm. spiritual death. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah. And so you have to find this balance of because if you if you only invite but you never challenge, there's no growth. Mm-hmm. So you have to find this balance in any whether that's cold evangelism, whether that's relationships in any area of life as a Christian, where you're inviting people in. There's an encouragement, there's an empowerment, but there's still that challenge that brings growth. Mm-hmm. That's good. 
Otherwise, one of the, so I'll go back to the story I told of when we were in Florida sharing the gospel. One of the things that I saw in those couple of conversations that went bad um, was this third problem that happens in cold evangelism is where Christians can be really quick to defense and to anger. Um, and we portray the gospel, even though we might still be speaking truth in ways that are hurtful and harmful and not loving and not kind. And so people oftentimes when they're not Christians will have questions or defense or they'll have points of articulation that they feel like are their truth and Mm -hmm. that's why they don't believe in the gospel. And most of the time, if not all of the time, those are wrong. Mm -hmm. But how do we lovingly rebuke and correct that? Not get offended when someone says, well, all Christians are bigots. It's like, okay, well, that is not true. But mm-hmm. how in love, in patience, in kindness, and that what is it, First Peter 2, 9, always be ready to give a defense for the hope you have. And then we love that verse because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, cold give evangelism, give, yeah. them the, give them the defense. But right after that, I'm, again, this is paraphrasing, he says, do so with love and tenderness. Mm-hmm. And there's this balance of speaking truth, but doing it kindly and doing it the way Jesus would have done it. Because Jesus spoke, if you look, he speaks to the outsider very gently. And he loves them and he speaks tenderly to them like a father who loves them and cares for them like a brother and sister. The people Jesus actually speaks harshly to are the ones who claim to be the religious that weren't. Yeah. It was the hypocrites that Jesus is very, very calloused and hard towards. He's the ones. And so why as Christians do we lean towards the calloused, hard nature toward those that need our love? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in that situation, I remember I sat with this guy and my other buddy and he kept throwing out all these false scientific studies or these things that just were blatantly wrong and he was saying them as truth and every time i tried to step into and help lead this guy back to what was actually true he just got aggressive and offensive Mm -hmm. and he started to hurt me and what do you always say hurt people hurt people and so i found myself in as an early christian stepping back into that and like getting also more defensive and more Mm -hmm. aggressive but it would have spoke so much more of the gospel that when he turned hostile, I turned more loving. Yeah. When he yeah. started to get angry, I was more patient. Mm-hmm. But I was not there yet, nor did I have a podcast or a teaching like that <laughs> to walk me through this. And so yeah. in the end, I feel like I, I hurt that person. And that's probably the biggest harm of cold evangelism, right? I don't think so. The fact that we might hurt people. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. And like, wh- what does that even mean? Like, how can you hurt someone with the gospel? I don't want to beat the dead horse or whatever the saying is, yeah. but I well, yeah, like got to be clear here. I think you, your hurt just comes from a lot of people have um, hurt that's tied to Christianity in some way, whether it's someone that, like, you know, stood on a street corner and t- took something and tied it to um, in the name of the gospel and was calling them out in a lot of what was really received as hate rather than love, and you just kind of have this connection where if we continue to use that and trigger those like that hurt side we're not really walking and teaching and talking out of the gospel and the love of jesus yeah i think it comes down to we want to preach the gospel we don't always want to live it in that moment Mm. yeah because if you're truly living out the gospel in that moment like you're loving you're kind you're discerning like you're inviting um, and so often we get that wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's getting back to let your actions speak louder yeah. than your words. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. you can, you you get the words at some point, but also like actions and the mm-hmm. the way you're treating people in of itself can exemplify and live out the gospel. 
for yeah. sure. And I, I can't remember if I put it in here or not, <clears throat> but I don't know if I did, so we'll just say it now. Um, and it goes back to that. Some people will flip that way farther, and that's where this is my. This will be my transition point. <laughs> um, some people will say, "Well, I don't need to share the gospel. Yeah, my life shows the gospel." Like they falsely quote Thomas Aquinas, who actually didn't say this, but they said, um, "At all times, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words." And it's this idea people will claim that I don't need to articulate my faith. I don't need to speak it to people because they see the way that I live and it shows the gospel, which I would applaud you. Like, fantastic. That's incredible. But Paul says, Romans 10, verse 14, we still need to speak it. And so it's both and it's the speaking and the living. It's the actions and the words. Mm -hmm. So here's where it comes. This is my question. Are you ready for this? Let's go. They've heard the bad. They've heard the good. Should they do it? The people listening right now, <laughs> should they practice cold evangelism? Yes. <laughs> yes, there is time and a place for it. And I think the way we go about doing it can bring a lot of value. Um, when I, I've seen it done, and I, one, of the, one of my mentors that I saw do it, he, did, he had a really cool thing where he, he didn't just try to make it all about um, Christianity in a sense, but he would always bring it into this conversation and make it, try to make cold evangelism into relational evangelism Mm -hmm. and bring in the question of like asking them first, like what is your faith story and walking them through and getting to hear like their perspective and where they're at. And then it becomes, begins to try to find this middle ground and then walk them into, Oh, what do you, what do you believe? Like you've just listened to them lay out where they're at with religion, faith, whatever it may be. Um, And that brings them more into a spot where they're inclined a little bit to listen to you and to see, hear your testimony of this is what Jesus has done in your life. And so getting into the spot where um, we're able to kind of bridge the gap between cold evangelism to relational evangelism, even if it is someone you just, you know, met 10 seconds ago, Mm -hmm. you can begin to walk um, that conversation. Yeah. So good. Mm -hmm. But are we we telling everybody they should do it? (laughs) Or like, is it only for certain people? Like if you're only really extroverted, you can practice cold evangelism. <laughs> or like if you're only really articulate or eloquent with your words, then you you be the person who shares it. I'll be the person who hangs out and just watches and, <laughs> and be your su- support, your cheerleader from the sideline. Or does everybody, should all people? Yeah, we think that, that everyone, that it's a call to, to be a Christian is to spread the gospel. And there's the reality that for some people it will come easier or maybe the more extroverted person, it might be just easier to have that conversation. But even sometimes as introverts, like we don't have to count ourselves out. Sometimes yeah, for sure. there are other introverts who maybe need to hear the gospel from an introvert and not from an extrovert. So don't mm. let that be an excuse. But even like if, if that's something you really struggle with, it's not something I, I ever feel super confident in. Like continue to pray, continue to ask God to work and move through you and give you discernment and wisdom and to use you. So, And with that, I'd also add like, practice it walk yeah. through tell tell the gospel to yourself i've always like heard this how how awesome it is to like maybe wake up every day and in the morning like tell yourself the gospel and remind mm-hmm. yourself as a christian the story um that you get to enter into and the more you practice it the more you're comfortable with wording mm-hmm. it together and outlining it for other people yeah, yeah. so good so now i want to if some people listening if you're like me, you've already started to form your own excuses or uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. different reasons why I, I know they, they just said it's for me, all people can do it, but 
this is why I'm not going to, or this is why I'm still scared, or I don't feel comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. what are some of those reasons people push back even still against practicing cold evangelism? Yeah, I'll speak on it a little bit. I'm an introvert as well, and so this idea of it being uncomfortable. Like, when I was um, in high school and younger years of college, I always had this approach of, well, what if they come back with at me with the arguments? Or what if they come back at me um, with different things that I'm not ready for, that I'm not prepared for? And that would often leave me in a spot where I was would hesitate or avoid saying something or avoid doing it because of the potential tension, argument, or mm-hmm. conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you never know what the outcome of that conversation is going to be. So there's always that uncomfortableness of it stepping into it. But uh, there also sometimes is a reality that we might be a little ashamed of the gospel, that while we believe it, there's, I don't know, cultural shame or even just insecurity about speaking it that I think as Christians, we have to process through and overcome and maybe even do some deep searching of why am I why why am I ashamed to share the gospel what is there within my own heart that keeps me from sharing like if I really truly believe that this is the good news of Jesus and every person needs to hear it what is stopping me from doing that yeah yeah there was uh I think our, our midwestern culture feeds into this even more like I, I, I was talking to some other people who live in just different cultural contexts within the United States, and I was asking them some of these questions like, hey, what's, what do you feel like out there is, mm-hmm. how does cold evangelism work? And they were telling me just some of the different ways, like one of my buddies who lives in Portland, like most people there are a, like irreligious, like a-religious, what's the right? Yeah, probably. One is of those two. That? They're non-religious. So they like don't have this cultural Christianity that the Midwest mm-hmm. has. Yeah. So it's different to share the gospel there than it is here. Yeah. But when we share the gospel here, there's a lot of people who are culturally Christian and they've attended church growing mm-hmm. up or so when you come and you're like hey do you have a faith do you are you a christian their answer is yes but if you were to take some more deep dive mm-hmm. it's they're really it's no they're not practicing yeah. and walking in the way of jesus mm-hmm. but again our cultural nuances here we have this tendency to not talk about politics to each yeah. other or religion or money like there's just mm-hmm. like all these taboo middle subjects that Midwest nice won't touch. Yeah. And so one of the one of those is religion. And so we're ashamed because this our culture, our current context says don't talk about that. We don't want to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. And so we don't want to open it up. But I love how you said that and like I would tag in Romans 116 like for I'm unashamed of the gospel yeah. because it's the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe. I, I again, I'm adding all these extra content. But good. there's this atheist who put out a YouTube video I watched three, four years ago. And in the video, he's giving all of his reasons why he doesn't believe Christianity is true. And one and one of them was Christianity can't be true because of the way Christians act and the mm-hmm. way they say they spread the gospel. He said, I don't, I've never been shared, nobody's ever shared the gospel with me. He said, no Christians ever come up to me mm-hmm. and tried to explain what, the, what their view is of Christianity, which kind of broke my heart. But yeah. he said, if that person actually believed what they said was true, they'd mm-hmm. tell everyone. Yeah. And he uses mm-hmm. the analogy, if someone had the cure to cancer, like you wouldn't hold that back just because you're scared of what other people would think of you. Yeah. You would share that with everyone you possibly can, especially those who are sick and who are dying because you have the cure. And he was talking about Christians claim they have the cure to eternal life. They have the cure to the problem of the world. They have the cure to everything that's ever been wrong, but yet they're timid and they're ashamed and they're not going to share it. Nobody's ever told me. They obviously don't really believe what they're saying. And I sat there and I was like, 
he really makes some great points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, shoot. Yeah. Like, Connection. I might like this atheist video, right? <laughs> Thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> Hopefully nobody saw that. But if I was going to say another one that was like why people don't do it, sometimes I feel like we lack a reliance on God and we lack mm. the trust in the Holy Spirit that evangelism needs. We, we too quickly want to rely on our own set of knowledge and skills, and we don't want to step into places where we feel unequipped just to trust God. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying step into a conversation on evolution and macro and micro sides of that with a scientific biologist and say, yeah, I'm going to trust God. He's going to provide <laughs> me with every answer on the origin of life. It's like, no, you're going to get cleaned out of the room with the, like, they're going to crush <laughs> yeah. you. You're going to make you look like a dummy. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the basics of the gospel any person can articulate just based on a reliance on God, their their basic knowledge in Christianity and trusting in the Holy Spirit that he'll provide you in those means. So yeah. any other so reasons good. we think people really don't share it? I think a big reason is they don't know how. Like yeah. it's, they don't see it happen. Um, for example, maybe outside of church on Sunday morning or a Sunday night, for example, um, they've heard it from pastors or preachers, people in ministry. They haven't heard it um, from people on their level where they're at. So sometimes it's seen as something, oh, this is reserved for people in ministry, when really it's something we're all called to be a part of as Christians and as believers. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, that it's often not modeled or, or like trained or taught. Yeah. Like if you were looking for a way to share the gospel, I would point you towards the bridge Google it. There's a ton of YouTube videos. Um, you can look at the Romans Road. Um, mm-hmm. You can look at just, what is the thing we use? The four. The four. You can Google what that is, the four in the, the gospel. It's the four symbols that you can use to share the gospel. And so there's tips and tricks mm-hmm. and models that out there for you to use. Um, and we've taught those a couple times at some of our leadership and ministry stuff here at Oasis, but I'm sure we'll come back to it in the future. Yeah. So in the end, I want the people to feel at least a little bit equipped. I don't think we have time to walk through all of those, but what are like some key things we would say, do this if you're going to do cold evangelism, be this. Yeah. We got these three P's for you. The three P's. Prayerfully, peacefully, and properly. We want to break those down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Give give them a little context. Yeah. Yeah. So with prayerfully, like we want to engage with evangelism with a heart of prayer um, before, during, and after constantly be praying. I think one of the important things is sometimes that after piece, sometimes it's really easy to Mm. pray before, you know, because you're nervous, you're anxious, you don't know who it's going to be, you don't know when, where, those kinds of things. During, you know, sometimes for me, like my heart's racing, my mind's spinning, those kinds of things. But sometimes (laughs) I forget that the after piece is so important that like you've, you've spread those seeds. And so pray, pray that God would take take those and that they mm-hmm. that they landed on good soil pray that that soil um was ready for it and continue to pray for that person because maybe that conversation you had isn't um the thing that like s- s- snaps where they where they where they get it or they understand it but maybe it's something two three years down the road even where oh someone tried to tell me that a couple of years ago and maybe it's something that clicks for them later and so mm-hmm. just constantly be um, praying over that and it's also super super helpful for me when i have like a specific name to hmm. to be praying hmm. for like it's always like good to be praying for the spreading of the gospel in general but when you have a specific person a specific name to be praying for um it it, it helps focus it a little bit more yeah and on that i think 
we started the podcast talking about how evangelism rightly done puts God in yeah. the, the main character. Prayer does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Prayer says, I know I stepped into this. I was the one who communicated. I was the vessel in that place. But ultimately, the work is still God. So I think that's yeah. spot on. Yeah, you so give good. it back to them. Yeah, you, you give, give it back, back to him. God. Even mm-hmm. after you're done, you said, hey, yeah. I did it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it went perfect. I don't know if I said everything right. But I'm still trusting that God is the main actor and, and participant in this. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I just thought of this. But I didn't just think of this. But I just was reminded of it. <laughs> when we enter into evangelism, I like to picture people on like a a scalable like relationship with Jesus hmm. like I don't like the idea of like there's people who are saved and there's people who are not when we're hmm. thinking about evangelism not in practice it's that clear but like when we're thinking about evangelism I like to see a scale that goes from positive 10 to negative 10 so positive hmm. 10 is someone who is sold out for Jesus they are all in they're the person doing the evangelism maybe they they are in they believe the truths they're being sanctified they're being transformed by the spirit hmm. Negative 10 is someone who is agnostic or atheist. They don't think there's a God. If they do believe there's a God, he's got nothing to do with them. And so they're really, really far from religion. In my view of evangelism, if we enter into a process of partnering with God and what he's already doing, how do we leave a conversation helping someone to progress closer Mm -hmm. to 10? So whether if they were a negative 10 and they hate religion and they hate God, if they leave that conversation with you and you were prayerful and peaceful and proper and you loved them and cared for them and you just shared some truth maybe they leave that at a negative nine and they're Mm -hmm. like you know what i had just a positive experience with christianity right there or it's you might sometime in your life get the experience of someone going from a negative one to a one where you share Mm -hmm. the gospel they repent they believe they become a christian like in any any sense you're just trying to progress people along the path of what it looks like to follow jesus that's so good yeah you want to do yeah peacefully yeah yes so How you do this peacefully is that you seek to love and care for them. We've already talked about it quite a bit, um, but that you desire more to love and care for them than you do for them just to hear your words. Mm -hmm. Um, Both are important, and so we can't negate one to the other, but that first and foremost, we want to love and care for those that we're sharing the gospel to. Spot on. Otherwise, the last one we'll say is properly. Um, When you're doing cold evangelism, do it properly. And that doesn't mean technique. That doesn't mean you say everything exactly like perfect wording-wise. But it's the fact that you share the truth and you stick to the gospel. Jesus died, he rose, and he did it with you in mind. He was the Son of God here on earth living a perfect life. And these are the essential pieces of doctrine that we just need to communicate in cold evangelism. And we share that truth that they're loved, they're cared for, and yes, they're broken because this world is broken and we're stuck in sin, but Jesus has bought them a a ticket, a place, a path back to life and to relationship with the Father. And so we just share that truth and we do it properly and we stick to what we know. Like You don't need to get into a conversation with someone about random things that essentially don't matter. Like We can stick to core doctrinal truths, core fundamental beliefs of Christianity when we're practicing this. And yeah, it could be fun to walk someone down the path of is the chicken first or the egg or is Adam and Eve have belly buttons or these silly <laughs> things, but you don't know that. And so stick to what you know and be humble in that and be yeah. willing to say, I don't know. Like that speaks more volumes than you yeah. making up a fake answer and maybe tarnishing the name of Christianity by being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Anything else to add here at the end? I don't think so. <laughs> I think that covered it. Yo, we're, we're completely I've been done. waiting a year and a half, and <laughs> that was awesome. I feel like I learned something uh, about cold evangelism. I feel, 
I don't know. I just feel ready. Like, Good. let's go. Go to we, campus right we now. Let you down. We're getting in the union. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But if you do see me there, watch out. I'm coming. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we should wrap up because this has gotten a little long on us. But yeah. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you like, want, um, subscribe, share the podcast on your social platforms or tell a friend about it because we're always trying to get more people to, to hear about the gospel. So peace out. Bye. See you guys.